Well, let's take a look at our. I, I kind of I'm tempted to speak about the gospel because I really could have some things to say about the gospel text, but I'm going to focus on our first reading from Leviticus. Um, this section of the book of Leviticus. Uh, how many people have read Leviticus from cover to cover? <laughs> Somehow I knew that was going to be the case. Okay. <laughs> Leviticus is one of these Old Testament books that's very um, kind of dense and it's got all of these different laws about sacrificing animals and all of these very intricate um, directives concerning uh, ritual matters and liturgical matters of rituals and liturgies that no one has ever done for the past uh, 4,000 years or something like that. So it doesn't get a lot of readership. Um, but it is it is a, a really great book, and there's this core section to it that um, uh, the scholar, modern scholars call the Holiness Code, and it's a few chapters long, and it's just it's moral injunction after moral injunction after moral injunction, and it's actually it's that's from that section that Jesus takes the second greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so isn't that ironic? The, the one book that no one has really ever read—it's actually that—it's from that book that Jesus takes uh, the second greatest commandment. And Leviticus is really actually, actually the centerpiece of the first five books of the Bible, which is referred to by Jews as the Torah. Uh, we know it as as the, the books of Moses or the Pentateuch, and it's a—it's the foundation of the Bible. And the center of that foundation is Leviticus. And the center of Leviticus is the Holiness Code. And the center of the Holiness Code is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, a, it's neat how you can look at the big picture structure um, and what at first seems to be obscure and kind of like not worth your time uh, becomes actually extremely important uh, for Christians. Now, here's something, though, that uh, a lot of people don't know that's connected to this the second commandment so you shall love your neighbor as yourself let's put it in context and actually read the whole section at least the whole paragraph it says you shall not bear hatred for your brother in your heart though you may have to reprove him do not incur sin because of him okay take no revenge cherish no grudge against your fellow countrymen you shall love your neighbor as yourself very interesting, huh? So lots of times we think of loving our neighbor as what we see in the gospel, feeding the poor, visiting the sick, and that's certainly, those are the corporal works of mercy, and that's the, the most kind of obvious way of loving our neighbor. But when we go to the context of what where Jesus is taking that commandment from, loving your neighbor, it actually it has to do uh, a lot with your with your lips, with how you speak about your neighbor. So earlier on it says, um, you shall not slander your neighbor. Okay, and, and it's very interesting though, it's a really profound psychology here. It says, you shall not bear hatred for your brother in your heart. Though you may have to reprove him, do not incur sin because of him. Okay? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if there's something that you're angry about with your neighbor, um, what this is saying is don't let that anger get built up and then you incur sin. Instead, reprove him. Very interesting. Isn't that very interesting? 
So what you need to do is, if you can just let it go, let it go. You don't think about it. But if it becomes obsessive and you're continually thinking about it, you should go and speak to the person, him or herself, not to other people. Okay? Isn't that what happens? We say, love our neighbor, love our neighbor, but then we detract from our neighbor behind his or her back. Now, when counselors, is a very common experience, and, and I've experienced this myself as well from a pastoral perspective. I'll say, you need to go, instead of obsessing over this thing, you need to go and speak to the person. Don't call your mother on the phone and talk to her for 45 minutes about what this person did to you. Okay, Go and speak to her or him directly. They don't. They can't do it. They look at you like you, and I, they don't say anything. But then the thoughts are going through their mind. It's like impossible. I can't do it. No way. And so, so then you'd rather obsess over it, and then have to go to confession and confess that you've been basically bad mouthing this person and all this kind of stuff. Okay. So, what do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, either either just let it go or go speak to the person, but don't go and spread it abroad and become obsessive and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's a very profound psychology we see here, and we see that the loving of our neighbor actually has to do with the courage of becoming vulnerable before that person. Because that's what it takes. When you go to someone and say, you know, when you did this, it made me feel, like, really bad, and I, I don't want you to do that again. That actually takes courage, and it takes love, because you're actually exposing yourself to another person. You're taking the risk of what? of them maybe getting more mad at you or you don't know. Okay, so it's this kind of unknown realm. But if you really love the person and you want to, you know, you care more about them becoming a better person than about your own hurt feelings, that's the proper course of action. Okay, so it's it's really neat how the Bible is very, uh, it really kind of, it cuts to the chase and it gets to the heart of the matter. And all our kind of, Illusions and, and kind of self, self-deceptions fall aside before the, the truth and the light of the Word of God. Um, so I just leave that, uh, uh with you all this morning here. Um, uh, loving our neighbor has to do with being vulnerable before him or her and actually being able to confront and speak, um, as well as doing good deeds and good works and corporal works of mercy.